Hello, hello, hello. One more time. It's another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Don't be shy. I'm doing well. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I guess it is. A little shy because it's been a while, but it's good to be back in the studio with you all. That was Doc Walker. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm ready for the season to get started here. Um, you know, it's, the fellas started this week, and the women started next week, and a couple of folks have had, you know, pretty much everybody's had an exhibition. If that was scheduled, or they had two scrimmages. And I guess I hope everybody's ready to go. And for anybody new to the podcast who missed our most recent podcast, uh, we're now talking basketball, 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 basketball. That's how I put it in a tweet. That's how I put it on the uh, KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Facebook page, Twitter. So that's what it is. Basketball, 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 no football, uh, none of that other stuff. None of this, that sport that Doc and Wildcat love, baseball, none of that. Basketball, basketball, basketball. And the reasons for that, one, 2020, the, one of the regionals will be held in Houston. And 2023, the men's final four will be held in Houston. So based on those two facts, you get the idea of how the podcast will be uh, leaning. Is men's basketball. So... All those folks want to look looking for women's basketball. This ain't that. You don't like it? Sorry. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Thursday. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a take the lead here just initially, and then toss the doc. Talk about HBCU hoops and and Wildcats. In case he got some info on uh, scrimmages and exhibitions. Um, U of H men had an uh, exhibition game against Dallas Baptist University. At uh, TSU's H and PE Arena, because this will be the final four weeks, roughly four weeks, before the Cougs tip off uh, the new era in Fertitta Center on December first against Oregon. And I won't get into too, to do many, into too many details, but the game between the Cougs and the Patriots, it was an exhibition game. I did a write-up on it. You can go to HoustonRoundBarReview.com to get more details about it. But the beginning of the game, both teams struggled to make shots. You could see um, the Cougs and Coach Sampson and the staff trying to get the new players acclimated to the system, where to be, how to defend, things of that nature. So it was an exhibition game, obviously. But one of the basic things that struck me was U of H is going to be a good team this year. They are definitely going nine, if not ten deep. You got Dejon Giroux at a 6'5", for now, backup point guard to Galen Robinson, which will add some length and really another point guard that Coach Sampson can trust and give Galen a rest instead of having them playing 35, 36, 37, 38 minutes a game. So Dejan Giroux, he's he is a long, lanky young man. If you haven't seen him, I mean, his arms go on forever. He's all arms and legs, but he can get to the hoop. He loves to pass. 
He was uh, one of the players at the U of H men's and women's basketball media day on Wednesday. So the local media got a chance to talk to him. Uh, he's talented. Uh, the national, many national basketball writers have tabbed Dejan Giroux as one of the players, newcomers to watch in men's college basketball. And I see why. Seeing him in practice, just a brief few times that I did, doesn't really do justice to seeing him on the court and what he did. Just in, the, I think, 20 minutes of basketball coming off the bench, he had nine assists. So that says a lot right there. But also his long arms at the head of the defense will be a benefit because he can play the passing lanes and disrupt and really be a solid defender one-on-one as well as in, in double teams. So he was a nice fit. Cedric Alley, from here, high school player from here, was one of the uh, Guy V. Lewis Award top 10 finalists a couple of years ago when he was in high school. Saw his first action. He retroded last year. 6'6", solidly built. The Cougs aren't going to be a tall team, but, man, they're going to be a versatile team. So they do have, in Breon Brady and Chris Harris, some height at the five position, but they're going to beat you with Bryson Gresham. He's about 6'8", 6'9", as well, but a little slimmer than Breon Brady. They're going to beat you with versatility at the four, three, two, and one spots. So Nate Hinton, Nate Hinton, Nate Hinton played, a little, played, played well as a freshman, saw some action, but you could just see the versatility and the possibilities of combinations that Coach Sampson will be able to utilize throughout the season. Corey Davis Jr. knocked down nine three-point shots out of 13 attempts to be the game highest scorer with 27 points. I mentioned Cedric Alley. He didn't play well in the first half because he was nervous. The second half, he played better. He, he admitted after the game that he was nervous. You can go to uh, my Twitter account, VHR Review, or Instagram, Houston Ron Bar Review, to get his little comment about he was nervous. He finished with a double-double. Armani Brooks didn't shoot well from three, but he finished with a double-double. So the versatility is there. Now you got to get people to come see him play. Wasn't many people at HP Arena. I know it's basketball. I know it's still football season. I know it's TSU, TSU's arena. But still, this U of H team is a tournament team. All the pieces are in place. Got to stay healthy, obviously. But to U of H alums, U of H fans, the Cougs do play some games before Fertitta Center. December 1st. So go see them play. You will enjoy their style of play. They should win a lot of games this year and they should be in the tournament. So go see them play. Doc, give me some thoughts about HBCUs. Give me some thoughts about what you've been doing and folks been wondering where's Doc been? Let folks know where you've where you been. Well, I'll start out first where I've been and it seems a little bit of everywhere. I've really hit the trail running in terms of uh, the football season. And obviously, we're not here to focus on that, but I'll tell you at least uh, some of the places I've been. And it leads into uh, what we're going to be covering uh, over the year as we continue uh, the road swing for basketball. But uh, most recently, I was in Jackson doing some research uh, for faculty uh, leadership as we're looking at uh, at Tech Southern redevelop our teaching and learning 
uh, center. And so while I was down there, I obviously got a chance to watch the uh, Jackson State host Prairie View. And I got a chance to look at uh, what Jackson State is expecting uh, in regards to uh, basketball, on, uh, particularly on the men's side. Uh, surprisingly to some, they were picked uh, in many categories as low as eight in the order of finish, uh, particularly when you look into the Street and Smiths um, on the uh, men's side. And for this particular podcast, we'll focus on the men. Um, and so a lot of fans on there are questioning uh, how long the coach will get a chance to uh, stay around as he enters the end of his contract. So a lot going on there. But let's get to uh, some other teams around the SWAC. Um, as you talk about U of H, they'll host Alabama A&M, the Bulldogs, uh, this coming weekend. And 2 p.m. So start. That's a, program, that's a program that is going to struggle, as you know, Chris. Um, they lost their coach last year uh, as um, they extended penalties, and uh, he didn't feel like he got the support, and he didn't want to uh, basically go down with the ship. So he decided to leave without getting the sort support that he was promised when he took the job in regards to what is necessary to move that program back uh, to the top part of the SWAC where a lot of the fans, at least in that area, believe they should be as they are proud a program that has a lot of success, uh, particularly for years at the Division II level before they moved up to Division One in the SWAC and under Coach Petaway, who led them far in the tournaments at the Division II level, I took them to the SWAC tournament. So they believe they should be doing better than that. You have number nine, Mississippi Valley State, uh, predicted order of finish. It'll be interesting with this team. They have some talent there. Uh, they got out there with students and JUCOs. And so don't be surprised if um, Valley, the Delta Devils, are actually able to move further up in the pole, maybe in terms of the middle of the pack. Uh, however, they are picked uh, to finish nine. Uh, they do have a first team, Dante Scott. Uh, forward there is very talented and leads the team. He's able to get buckets, and that team really goes how he goes. Uh, but it will be interesting to see can he get more um, support around him to help him uh, in terms of the scoring load. They should be pretty solid defensively, um, but they're going to have to be able to score some points to get it done in this league. Bringing us back uh, to Jackson State, we said at number eight. Um, just to let you know where people are questioning the talent, they don't have anybody on the first team or second team. Again, this is according to the Street Smith, but we'll go this uh, for a lot of our friends. Uh, pretty accurate from what I believe uh, the seeding will be. We moving us to number seven, Alcorn State. Remember, they switched coaches two years ago and made a mad rush as they pushed. Uh, Texas Southern, in terms of regular season, uh, just couldn't quite get it done, finished second, uh, and stumbled a bit last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see can they push that elevator going up. Right now, um, they are looking at finishing preseason at number seven. Again, this is a team that doesn't have anybody on the first or second team, so we'll see if we can get some players uh, in regards that you should start recognizing as we get into the season. And number six, Southern. New coach comes in. Uh, coach previously came out in uh, controversial in a lot of ways. We got Valley State leading them to a regular season championship before he went uh, into the OVC 
uh, for another coaching gig, but he finds his way back into the sweat. Uh, top five programs, uh, according to Street Smith, in terms of the predicted order of finish, Alabama State seems to be going to find themselves back in the mix, uh, trying to get some things done. And number four, which I think you'll see these four teams fight for the number one seed in the regular season champion, starting with Prairie View. A lot of excitement down there on the hill in Prairie View. Uh, as Prairie View, the Panthers made a push last year, got into the semifinals, couldn't quite get it done as they lost to their rival, Texas Southern, uh, in that matchup. Played it close for the half, but uh, Texas Southern pulled away uh, to eventually earn the tournament championship and then go on uh, to play, oddly enough, against the MEAC champion, North Carolina Central, where they got it done and won that game in the opening round, as they like to call it. We call it the uh, playing game. And number three, Arkansas Pablo surprised everybody. People who had them picked at the bottom of the conference last year, they pulled up, uh, finished the season third and fourth uh, ranks, made it to the tournament, semifinal round. Now they're picked to be up at the top of the pole. They have two first-teamers, and you can imagine why they're going to give some teams um, some uh, threats during the year. They have guard, Martavius McKnight. Maybe you remember him as a scoring machine who could get buckets and put up huge numbers Well, he's back. He's going to be at it again uh, with his colleague, forward Charles Jackson of Arkansas Palm Love. Talented guys. Uh, they can get it done. You're going to want to see what they do on the defensive side. They guard pretty well, uh, but they're going to have to get it done if they want to find a way to defend this. And bringing us the surprise of some, Texas Southern, new coach. We know Mike Davis has moved on out of the conference after winning four of the last five. The Texas Southern is a perennial basketball program in the SWAC. Ever since they came in in the 50s, they found a way to win a championship in every decade to let you know just how strong this basketball program is. So the fans would certainly like to see them continue to push forward. Uh, but new coach, new style, a lot of transfers. They're actually bigger than they were last year. So uh, height-wise, it would be interesting to see. Uh, they do have a big man. Uh, center defensive player of the year last year with the SWAC coming back, Trayvon Reed. They've lost the point guard, uh, uh, the diminutive one, uh, as he's moved on. But they should still have some talent at, at the uh, uh, guard position. And so keep your eyes on that. At number one, Grambling State is looking to show that they weren't a one-year wonder like we saw all a couple of years ago. Ivy Smith Jr., he's the one to keep your eyes on. As he goes, so do the Grambling State Tigers. Preseason player of the year, Martavius McKnight, Arkansas Pablo, preseason defensive player of the year, Trayvon Reed, seven-footer there, shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, but those are the uh, ways that you want to look at. This is the SWAC head coaches and sports information directors, preseason award winners, and this is how the coaches and SID at least voted upon how they see uh, the predicted order of finish for the SWAC on the men's side. So, Wildcat, you got it. Yep. Show, your, show, your, show your basketball knowledge. Well, I've only got one exhibition game. That was Rice against uh, St. Thomas. That was on Thursday evening. Uh, don't know. Having one game, no practice. Uh, didn't get a chance out to see any of the practices and all, but they – Rolled up uh, St. Thomas, 90-76 NAIA team here locally, uh, who's in the Red River Conference. The one thing, what they had was basically a, a 
everybody got a chance to score. Everybody got a chance to get on the floor. Um, leading scorer for the for the Owls on Thursday was uh, Drew Peterson. He had 15 points. Um, and Chris Mullins was right behind him at 15. Uh, Robert Morton was right behind him at 14. And Josh Parrish finished with nine. A uh, couple of players that were they were mentioned. It was interesting how they had, they got off to a, a interesting start. You know, both teams only had about uh, St. Thomas had 32, Rice 34. You know, first half. Then it was like they went in the second half. I mean, went in at halftime, made the adjustments what they needed to make in game, which is what they which is what Coach uh, Perry had said they needed to do better at this season in particular was make in-game position, uh, situations better, adjustments, and finish strong. That's basically what they did. Uh, they scored 56 in the second half. I gave them 90 points. They gave up 44, but they, the final score was indicative of how the game went. When they needed to pull away, they, they did. When they needed to make adjustments, they did. All, and all this was done in the second half. Uh, it'll be interesting on what this team looks like you know, going into – this upcoming week, they've got games just like uh, everybody else. They've got games scheduled on the road. How they they make this uh, do on this road trip, and I will be interesting because what I saw or what what I heard uh, on the radio as the game was announced, I didn't get a chance to make it out because I had uh, uh, flag football going on. But in the process, though, it was almost like. Not nobody was in the stands. You know, it's, I don't know how the local teams and all make will, will make the adjustments, especially on the fellow side. How they gonna make the adjustments of getting team, folks out to watch them play? You know, the Cougars are moving into that new arena uh, December, the first part of December. Right now, like you said, they're playing over at TSU. It'll, it'll be interesting how much of. Uh, of an interest in college sports on the men's side this year. But one thing is for sure, the three of us are going to do our part concerning the SWAG, uh, Conference USA, and the uh, Southland with HBU. Didn't get a chance to get out and see them play. Hadn't seen a schedule or write-up yet. But uh, I know they had got uh, Joshua Barr back, and that's a plus. Because when he's on the floor, he makes up, makes up for a lot of uh, – deficiencies that they have at the guard spot. And since you brought them up, HBU, their first game of the season is, is November 7th at Arizona. So it's going to be right in the, in the uh, fire. 8 p.m. tip-off Houston time. The game can be seen on the Pac-12 network. Rice, their first game will be Tuesday and it does not say exhibition, but it's against St. Leo. So, Woodley, you're going to talk to your people over there at Rice about them scheduling somebody like that, St. Leo. Um, the game will be available on Conference USA's paid uh, subscription-based package. Prairie View A&M's first game will be Friday at Santa Clara. And then they'll go to Waco on November 12th to play Baylor. TSU's first game will also will be Tuesday in Waco against Baylor, and then they go play Gonzaga on November 10th in Spokane, Washington. So 
TSU is going to really be tested early in those two games and then go face Iowa State in Ames and San Diego State in San Diego for their first four games. So that's probably going to be four L's, but they'll, they'll learn a lot about themselves in those first four games, nothing else. TSU, um, Doc, you correct us. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this this schedule is still has Coach Mike Davis's fingerprints all over it, with all these road games and only two uh, home games against one home game is against Houston Tillotson, November 29th, and then another one against Concordia, December 8th. But everything else is going will be on the road. Yeah, about 70, 80 percent of the schedule is already done. Like Mike Davis, the two home games were actually games that were pulled off uh, that Mike Davis didn't put in place. Because as you know, Mike Davis uh, would literally play all of his games on the road. So the fact that they have two, which is not a lot, as you point out, uh, is actually a change in the philosophy of the coach already trying to get more games at home. It'll be interesting moving forward. And I think that you'll see Texas Southern uh, playing more home games. but they'll still play a significant amount of the games on the road. As you know, as you talked about your uh, HBCUs as well as uh, what we call them basketball vernacular, low major programs, they tend to play quite a few of the games on the road uh, because of the financial uh, components of being able to play the major power five programs, particular basketball power programs. Uh, with big paydays, so that will not change that much, unfortunately, for those that want to see the Tigers play at home. But I think uh, you will you will no longer see where Texas Southern Tigers literally play um, 10, 12 road games before their first game uh, against a SWAC opponent uh, to see them play at home. You'll see them play a couple of more games uh, conference-wise at home. And TSU's Johnny Jones has mentioned to us that he does, he will add um, home games in the future non-conference schedules because he wants to get give his give the fans, the TSU fans and alums, a chance to connect with the team in November, December before conference play begins. So he wants to he wants his team to have a chance to play in front of a home crowd a few times non-conference just to get themselves, you know, hear the, hear the home crowd, get a connection with the fans and, and build up the relationship on both sides for the team and fans and alums. So two games this year and hopefully he'll get some, some uh, home and homes in the future. He's hoping to get, uh, I think, Lamar as a home and home in the future. They go to Beaumont this year and possibly a school like Evansville, home and home as well, have them come to Houston in the, in the future. So Coach Jones has plans to tweak the non-conference schedule to have a few more home games. It's just a question of when that will happen um, one or two more years down the line. Who knows? But in addition to the Cougars opening their season Saturday versus Alabama A&M, U of H plays Rice on November 14th at TSU's H and PE Arena. And both those games can be seen on ESPN3. So, and I think Rice and U of H have announced 
If you go to my site, HoustonRomeBarView.com and go into the NCA men's section or just do a search because I did some tweaking and added some different search features to the site. But you can see that Rice has a handful of their games available online, streaming, either ESPN3, ESPN+, Plus, different platforms like that. Um, U of H as well has different outlets that the games can be seen. U of H this season has 20 home games. That's I, a lot. I have never seen a team, especially a team that is not a superpower, a ultimate high major program, have that many home games. That's basically two-thirds of your schedule is at home. 20 home games. So that that's something. There are two. That means you've turned the corner. Yeah. There's there's two non-conference. You actually stepped out into the street. Road games. They go to Provo to play BYU on November 24th. And then December 8th, they are at Oklahoma State. That is their only road, non-conference road games, because other road games will be during conference play. So that's. That is a heck of a schedule. And just a few days ago, it had been on ESPN.com website for, oh, two, three weeks. But ESPN.com's basketball BPI projected index gives the Cougars a 70% chance of reaching the tournament, the NCAA tournament, a 70% chance. Um, it did also did a conference breakdown. They have U of H men as the top team in the American in terms of projection to reach the NCAA tournament. Even gives U of H a 1% chance to get to the championship game in the Final Four. And you, you may scoff at that, but there are roughly eight, eight other teams, eight other teams that have like a 1% chance to get to the tournament. So, you can go to ESPN.com, and it may be an insider, subscriber-only feature, but you can see that uh, there are some prominent programs that that have a 1% or 2% chance to get to the tournament. It's not just U of H, not just, you know, apparently the folks at ESPN, the, the analytics guys just blowing smoke. or just So their numbers, uh, I think they project, project U of H to win. 23 games this year, something like that. So, so uh, like I said, this is uh, high expectations for Coach Sampson and the team this year. So they got to produce. They got to get it done. And 20 home games, hey, that, they have a lot right there to get done. So you have ample opportunities to win at home. And if nothing else, you go undefeated at home, that's 20 wins right there. Right there, that's 20 wins. So, I mean, so it's right there for you, Bates, to get things done, and we'll see how it goes. I'm trying to scan real quick to see where Houston is, ESPN is ranked, ranks Houston in terms of uh, the one, they have the Cougars ranked 40th. Out of 353 Division One programs, have them ranked 40th. 
So that's the while since they've been in the top fifty. So yeah, so that's another indicator of how people, you know, are expecting big things from Coach Sampson and the U of H men's basketball program this year. Wildcat, I, sure. yeah, Wildcat, I believe you've heard. I, we're not gonna call any names, but you've heard some people question uh, why we don't mention the Rockets during our podcast. Well. Yeah, because uh, right well, question me. I basically said that ain't what I do. And they looked at me like, "Well, why not?" I said, "Because I just don't cover pro sports. If I decided, if I wanted to cover pro sports, I could have started with the Texans, gone over to baseball with the Astros, and then headed out, you know, on over and, and take care of the Rockets. But I make made a choice years ago." that that was not going to be my cup of tea. And if I choose to do anything else outside of college uh, college basketball, college football, it would be high school. And if you want me to do something else, here's my hand, put something in it. And as they say, crickets. Sounds good to me. So, <laughs> so that, <laughs> that answers that question in front of for everybody. If you got a doubt, you hit it from the horse's mouth. Bingo. Uh, as you was mentioning the schedule and all about uh, with the uh, preseason schedule for U of H, I'm noticing, I'm checking up on Rice. Uh, Alabama A&M is staying in town over the weekend and playing Rice that, that following Monday after they uh, play the Cougars. I see that. On yeah, the 12th. November 12th. I think it's it's part of, yeah, it's part of the men against oh, okay. the Cougar Cup. Yeah, so um, yeah. it's I think all the teams participate and get at least three games as part of that cup, three or four games. But it's Houston, Alabama A&M, Rice, Northwestern State, and BYU are the teams that are participating in that cup, and they're playing each other. So it's for a good cause, and there should be some good matchups as well. So. But yeah, Bryce, oh, yeah. other yeah. than that, um, Rice non-conference, they got at Wichita State, at Texas State, Lamar comes to Tuesday House, St. Edwards, uh, Santa Barbara, UTRGV, Rio Grande Valley, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, Omaha. Come on, what is that? That's that's not a... Uh, North Texas, Southern I, Miss. Yeah, when Southern Miss, you get in the conference play. In North Texas, you get... But, Nebraska Omaha, that's not a Division One program. I know they got a basketball program. I don't know. Although they have they have a basketball program, but that's not a Division One basketball program. <laughs> I would I Tuesday when I go by for a football coaches like I will ask. I will ask. I will ask. So you know you got you're correct. St. Edwards, St. Leo, Nebraska, Omaha. It's like you're trying to pad your your uh your resume here, but that doesn't help you. In terms of well, your, uh, if I'm not mistaken, RPI. I think St. Leo, I think St. Leo is a international team from overseas that's coming in to play a uh, play a game. But I will find out uh, tomorrow is Monday, Tuesday. I will make mention, tweet that out for everybody to see, and uh, give you some pregame of, of what the, who they are. And I'll be sitting around there on Tuesday night and find out what they look like. Oh no, no, they they 
my, my mistake, they're part of the Summit League. So it's not a top tier conference, but you know. <clears throat> oh, really? So yes, they're part of the Summit League. That's interesting. So I still don't know if they've got, they got a good men's team because you know the Summit League. When you and I think about the Summit League, it goes back to uh, women's basketball. Correct. South Dakota, South Dakota State. And, yes. Right. So this is all. It's a new school. Or it's been around a while, just no name. But uh, real quick, because I'll say this as well. I have been given the green light to begin a, a two-hour radio show, web radio show. This Saturday, we'll have the first beta test, and that'll be basketball show, basketball specifically, basketball only where I talk about the Rockets uh-huh. in the NBA, et cetera. So if you heard me, listeners, if you heard me on the iHeartRadio or Fox Sports 1280 out of Rochester, New York, with the same group of people, they're giving me a, a platform to discuss basketball weekly uh, starting this Saturday. So I'll be doing that. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I'm going, I'm going to throw a rock, gentlemen, so just indulge me. <laughs> so, so about time. Any any of those ahead, any of those people in Houston who uh, forgot who I was? Well, you listen to my show. You are reminded of who I am. So there we go with that. Because there's a whole bunch of people on in town who have no idea about basketball that are 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 just spewing out stuff. So I'll show you how to do it on my show. <clears throat> so, but the Rockets they're on a two game winning streak now. They had lost four in a row. Injuries, suspensions, just playing like crap. But they uh, picked up a much-needed win Friday against Brooklyn. And then James Harden came back from his hamstring injury Saturday. They beat the Bulls. They'll continue their five-game road trip Monday at Indiana against the Pacers. And then this is a unique trip. So they got these three games. They're going to come home and practice, I think, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then go back on the road to Oklahoma City for a game against the Thunder, then go to San Antonio to play the Spurs, and then they'll come home to play the Pacers on Sunday the 11th. I think that's right. So, yeah. So, it is a five-game wow. road trip, but they got three, then come home to practice, then go back on the road, play two more games, and then come home to begin a homestand uh, Sunday against the Pacers. So, it's life in the NBA. Some folks, you know, when they lost four in a row and really were playing like this garbage, defense couldn't stop anybody, and people were just ready to throw in the towel and blow up the team, and it's all over. The season's over before it even got 10 games in. Now they won two in a row. See, I told you, everything would be okay. You know, <laughs> fans are going to be fans. So... <laughs> Uh, we don't know that. I mean, you know, we just sit out here and just stand looking, you know, watching. We, we don't know what's going on. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about fans. Well, even some media people hey. were just, hey, it's over. I told you, it's over. They're just, just, just well, I, I didn't think it was over. I just knew it was just something was wrong and just looking at it, this just looked like a bunch of, like you said, it looked like a bunch of crap. Oh, yeah. And to their credit and to D'Antoni's credit, he said so. After, you know, in post games, that we're not playing well. We're playing like crap. This is just this is not who we are. 
we have to play better. So they're finally playing better. And clearly, when you're not, you don't have their, one of the best players in the NBA healthy and missing time, you're going to feel that loss. So it was important for them to win in Brooklyn to snap the losing streak. And then you got James Harden back against the Bulls. He scored 25 points in their win over the Bulls in Chicago. So now you, you have some confidence back amongst yourself. You start to feel good, feel better that, uh, you know, what we do can work if we just do it to the best of our ability. Now, Monday's game against the Pacers. The Pacers are the best team of these three that they will have played thus far on the trip. I'm not picking them to win Monday against Pacers. But if they do, that'll be another positive step in the turnaround. So this, all this is said does not mean that they have closed the door and trying to get and acquire Jimmy Butler. So, you know, Daryl Morey is not a, afraid to make moves. Daryl Morey's goal and Tillman Fertitta's goal is, is to win championships, is to beat the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are the ultimate carrot that the Rockets strive to reach. So if Jimmy Butler gets them to that level, they're going to try to get Jimmy Butler. I'm not convinced that Minnesota is going to trade Jimmy Butler to a team in, in the Western Conference, especially for what the Rockets have been rumored to offer. But so we'll just see. But the Rockets are still looking at making moves. If Mike D'Antoni has his say, P.J. Tucker isn't going anywhere. So teams are requesting P.J. in return for any deal. The deal is not going to happen. Like I said, if Mike D'Antoni has his way, P.J. ain't going anywhere. If Tim Fertitta and Daryl Morey say, well, Mike, this coach will we bring in. P.J. got to go. <laughs> so... But Man. we all know how we. But that'll be. That's how it is. Owners, you know, that's what Minnesota's problem. Minnesota got too many people trying to make moves. It got the owner making, trying to make a decision. The coach wants, doesn't want to make a trade. GM, not sure what to do. Absolutely. So. Too many people trying to run now. Right. You know, you look at Cleveland firing Tyron Lue in six games into the season. Despite injuries, despite no LeBron. Despite young players and old players, no one expected Cleveland to win this year. So, so what did you expect in Cleveland that they were going to do? That what was different this summer that changed that you kept Tyron Lou, but then it changed six games into the season when you began 0 6? Same players. Nobody expected to go to the playoffs this year. Nobody with a brain, anyway. So Cleveland, Dan Gilbert doing Dan Gilbert things. So exactly, more madness from Cleveland. They're gonna go back to the laughing stock, and the coaching movement's not gonna be the difference. And then happens. And now you you know rumors that the Cavs are trying to trade the veteran players like uh, Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith. And I've had one colleague suggest that the Rockets should uh, go after. Either. Uh, one of those two guys, you know, Culver's for his three-point shooting, Jr. for his streak scoring. So, 
Yeah, that makes sense because this is not a team that has showed you uh, ownership uh, GM-wise that they could build the team. They were fortunate that they um, got it done by the lottery, so they're probably going to try to hope uh, that they can get a lottery pick and get a lottery pick like they did when they got LeBron James and then secondly when they got Kyrie Irving. Be interesting to see if Lightning strikes a third time in regards to getting that type of luck. One, falling to the bottom, but that will take care of itself in regards with the talent on the team they'll have, particularly if they start uh, gutting the, the team with uh, the veterans. Uh, that could help some other teams in terms of what they could do uh, in their unique positions and style of play on teams. But the fact that um, they're going to be looking to get a little lucky, it'll be interesting to see how that all comes together. I'm not too sure about that. Before we wrap it up, Doc, in in our previous podcast, uh, Wildcat and I wanted you to be a part of this discussion. I want to get your thoughts on the um, jury verdict in the NCAA trial where the three defendants were found guilty. Um, and and the the universities, how do they say, were victims of the uh, yeah the payments? What are your thoughts on on the Certainly, decision? I, I thought it was going to be a pretty even easy case uh, to prove once they decided to go in that direction, um, because we know uh, from the relationships we've had in our ears to the street. And we know that this goes throughout basketball and it's just part of the business. And not that we're excusing it one way or the other. Uh, we've openly said what we've said about uh, what the NCAA does and not finding a way to compensate the players. So that is not new from us. Uh, one of the things that did concern me about this whole thing is the federal reach in deciding to do the responsibilities that a lot of people believe are supposed to be part of the NCAA. And we've noticed case after case that the NCAA hasn't been able to manage itself, uh, particularly with its power teams that are so financially beneficial to the overall structure of the NCAA. Most recently, obviously, naming North Carolina Central, to some degree, Kansas, and some of these other programs. So it was very odd to me that the federal government, particularly uh, the the famous New York districts, that decided to to go at this case and then obviously prosecute it. It's very intriguing to me, particularly see is this just one of those one hit things that they push in to try to show that they're trying to do something and claim that cleaning up basketball, or is this something now that we'll see happening more often? Because if it's just a one thing, it certainly is not going to clean it up. But to see that the uh, federal court systems will be going after uh, basketball is going to be quite amazing to me. So those kind of questions that uh, jumped out at me originally when all was going on, and certainly after that case uh, was decided, it continues uh, to be intriguing to me to see what does this really mean. And certainly I don't think it's going to stop anything. 
All right, fellas, how can folks find you on the internet? It's, you can, can find me. On. Go ahead, Wildcat. Go, you go, go first. Go ahead, Doc. All right. You can find me online um, in platforms at uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDay as J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Also at SoundCloud, Blogger, Blogspot, YouTube as the College Sports Report, AKSV, DCSR. Doc? Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D R K E N Y A K C A V L I L. Again, that's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, on the Facebook, you can also see us in regards to our weekly show from 545 to 7:15, and when we talk all things HBCU, uh, Doctorville's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Again, that's from 5:45 to 7:15 every Tuesday, Central Standard Time on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. You can find the streaming at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill on Facebook, where we give you the latest and greatest updates on HBCU sports. Obviously, we're closing up on the football season, but we'll be getting into some basketball. So you'll see a nice partnership between uh, what we do on this podcast and what we do on the radio show uh, during the winter months for basketball, both men's and women's, uh, to give you updates to let you know what's going on in the SWAC, MIAC, as well as the CIAA and SIAC at the Division II level for those that have interest in that level. And we'll give you even some NIA with the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference as well as those independent programs such as Langston and the Sooner Athletic Conference, as well as those HBCU members in the Red River uh, Athletic Conference, such as Texas College, Wiley College, Jarvis Christian, to name a few. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, as well as Instagram. On Twitter, my account name is the or the T H E H R Review. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. There's also a link on my homepage, HoustonRoundBallReview.com or VHRR.com. Go to the podcast button and click on it. You list to a podcast that way as well as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thank you for the new listeners. We seem to, uh, based on just one podcast, folks seem to like the uh, change in format to be to basketball, basketball, basketball. So we appreciate that. And we're going to continue doing this. Uh, as, as mentioned before, we got the men's regional coming to Houston in 2020 and the men's final four coming to H-Town in 2023. So uh, let's keep listening to our podcast. And as I mentioned, uh, my radio show, I'll have more info once everything is finalized and the beta testing is taken care of. I'll post links to that on 
my site as well as Twitter and the Houston Round Bar Reviews Facebook page of how you can listen to it and access it. And uh, I do have some leeway and flexibility in how I want to do the show, but we got to do all the testing first. And then once I iron out those kinks, then I can decide if I can have guests, if I want to have guests or have interaction with fans via Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But got to get the testing done first. So like I said, two hours of basketball discussion, Rockets, Cougars, um, NBA, NCAA, including the American Athletic Conference. So H-Town doesn't really have that. Well, that's why I'm here. That's why Houston Ron Bar View is here. So that's what that show will be about. Basketball, basketball, basketball. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight, as always. You take care. Got to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.